Hello, and welcome to the new Colombo Plan Series podcast. My name is Andrew, I am your host, and today we will be having Daniel DeWard on our podcast. He is currently a Bachelor of Commerce as well as a Bachelor of Electrical and Computer Systems Engineering student at Monash University. That is a mouthful. As well as the 2017 New Colombo Plan Scholar to Taiwan. He is currently also an engineer at Atmo Biosciences, as well as doing a host of internships prior to that as well. I'm really excited to have his insights as a STEM student on this podcast and to discuss really about the future and the prospects of what technology would look like in the future. In this episode, we'll be speaking about his experiences specifically with his new Colombo Plan scholarship. And I hope you enjoy. So, you know the deal. So, uh, I'm going to go through all the pictures that you've given us about your experience. Just give us some backstory, uh, some background, or like things that were happening in the back of the picture that weren't so obvious. Uh, feel free to share some funny photo of, um, stories as well. Um, as well. So, yeah, get into it. A nice picture of Hot Pot. What was going on here? Yeah, so. <laughs> It's just, this is an interesting one. Uh, we were discussing earlier and I was saying it's actually, you know, it's not a very good photo, but it's actually quite <laughs> meaningful to me. So the yeah. background for this one is, was taken on the very, very first day I arrived in Taiwan when I started my New Colombo Plan Scholarship. Uh, and I remember getting off the plane at like 6.30am and it was super hot in Taipei and I'd mm. never been overseas by myself before. Mm. I sort of had one suitcase with all my stuff in it and I was trundling around trying to find this hotel I'd booked and I was just completely <laughs> overwhelmed. Uh, and I ended up contacting the uh, another scholar called Cameron who is already in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, ah, oh, hey, can we like, you know, hang out or something? Because I'm, you know, a bit overwhelmed <laughs> here. And he's like, oh, sure, yeah, I'm getting lunch with the friends and, you know, you're welcome to come join. Mm. And I was like, oh, good, that sounds good. It'd be nice to have like someone familiar to hang out with. Mm. And then he took us to this hot pot restaurant. Yeah. And I was just completely confused. You know, I'd never had hot pot before. And there's suddenly like <laughs> fire on my table and there's bits of meat and eggs. And I was just like, what's going on? And I was thinking, yeah. like, do I just get on the plane and go home? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Bring the plate home. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And then, yeah, it was just quite, um, it's interesting to reflect back on because I think probably, you know, couple of weeks later, I was yeah. completely at home, loving it. And, you know, Hot Pot was my jam. So it's amazing <laughs> how much learning took place in such a short period of time. Awesome, mate. Prior to going to Taiwan, did you travel to any other like Asian destinations or travel in general? Yeah, I'd sort of done a few family holidays, but they were usually sort of like go and stay at a resort in Fiji kind of thing. And so mm. I'd never really had that experience of traveling by myself and then sort of being immersed in a culture. It was kind of more of like go and sit on the beach somewhere for a couple of days. Yeah. So yeah, it was quite eye opening. Awesome dude. Yeah. And going to like an Asian country or like just any destination that is just like completely different to um, Australia uh, would definitely give you a bit of shock, but hot pot is definitely your jam. Was there any other dishes in Taiwan that you, uh, I guess, have like on the regular was like became your favorite whilst you were there uh, there was there was a lot of great food in taiwan yeah. uh, i think they have a really strong food culture 
that I, I think in Australia we kind of just borrow bits of piece, bits and pieces of um, you know dishes from other places, but in Taiwan they have a strong identity that's framed mm. around their food, mm. and so things like hot pot, uh, the night market foods as well, mm. they have these huge uh like jipai which is like a massive chicken steak which is just delicious <laughs> um beef noodle soup of course yeah. is always delicious uh, yeah. so yeah there's there's a lot a lot to unpack in the taiwan food culture and one final thing i i see on the top left corner a glass of uh, bubble tea was that your first time having bubble tea as well or was uh was that something i can't remember i feel like it, it very well could have been <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I was probably so overwhelmed by the hot yeah. pot at the time. I just was like, "Oh, there's bubbles in my drink as well." That's probably normal, you know. <laughs> um, just roll with it. Yeah, but no, bubble tea is huge. I remember yeah. working in Taiwan, and people would sort of get to three p.m. in the afternoon, and someone would be like, "Oh, maybe we should order some bubble tea," and we'd sort of phone up, and then you know, next minute there'd be like twenty bubble teas delivered Whoa. by some guy on a motorbike, and we'd just all sit there and drink our bubble tea in the afternoon. That is amazing. Um, yeah, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, mate. Let's go to the next photo. Let me just go there. Ah, I think I think that's you on the bike there. Right. Uh, yeah. And yeah, what's happening here, mate? Yeah. So this is one of the things I loved about Taipei was mm. they had uh, just a fantastic public transport system, and I think one of the interesting things about it was this shared bike system. Mm. Called U Bike, mm. and basically you could get your, you know, your uh, Easy Card as it was called, and you could just sort of tap on and off and grab a bike yeah. and ride it wherever you wanted to go. Yeah. Uh, and one of the, yeah, it was just so great being in Taiwan with the other Yukonbo Plant scholars as well. So in in this photo, there's uh, Cameron and Abby who were the other Taipei scholars or Taiwan scholars with me, mm-hmm. uh, and then there's a girl in the background, Svetlana, who was visiting. From China, uh, and a good friend of mine, Chris, in the front of the photo, who <laughs> wasn't a scholar at the time, but subsequently became a scholar in a later year. Uh, oh wow! One of the classic things when we were living in Taipei was that because it was so hot during the day, often in the evening, sort of you know, eleven, twelve at night, you'd go out for a walk, and then you'd end up on on your U bikes, sort of gallivanting around town. Uh, and so I think this photo kind of it's a good picture into what life was like in Taiwan where most nights there'd be some kind of adventure like this. You just roam around and have a bunch of fun hanging out with people. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. In the photo, it looks pitch, pitch dark and there's no one <laughs> around. Um, the streets look <laughs> empty as, but yeah, yeah. I, I should have looked at the timestamp on the photo, but I feel like it probably very well could have been like 1am or something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that was pretty typical. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it always was rough when you had Chinese class at 8 a.m. the next morning. Yeah. But I think it was worth it. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, it must have been. How long ago was this? Because uh, I'm sure, uh, maybe because of COVID, but I'm sure maybe bike or ride sharing isn't a big thing anymore, but because of possibly COVID. But yeah, definitely something yeah, sure. everyone would do. Hey. Yeah, I, I mean, this would have been back in 2018. Mm. Um, I think in, in Taiwan, they seem to have handled COVID pretty well. and they, That's true. They have a lot of affection for their U-bikes, so I'd be surprised if they'd uh, <laughs> shut it down too much. But everyone's just wearing gloves. <laughs> everyone's just wearing gloves on the bikes. Probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome, mate. All right, let's go to the next photo. Ah, what's happening here? There's a lot of people. Yeah, so this photo was taken at the end of my internship. Uh, I sort of... I 
given a presentation about my work and then mm. everyone sort of decided to take a photo together. So it's quite a precious memory of my time interning in Taiwan. Mm. Uh, and I think for the people listening and not watching, uh, there's quite a, it's quite a big team. And there's also, it was a great team in that there, it was very diverse. There was mm. a lot of Taiwanese people, but also other Australians and Europeans and Americans. Uh, and I think one of the great things about this internship was learning the value of working with people from all different parts of the world and the different perspectives and ideas they could yeah. bring into things. Uh, so yeah, I think this was, this moment in the photo was sort of the accumulation of this six month internship I'd done. Um, and yeah, it was, a, it was a good time. There's a, there's a lot of uh, diagrams and maths happening in the background, but what was there was the internship. Uh, what was the field um, in? for the internship? Yeah, so I was interning at a, a medical technology company uh, and we were designing internet connected devices for sort of drug administration. So um, particularly around diabetes, we were trying to help mm. people who had diabetes, I guess, uh, remember when they'd injected themselves with insulin and things mm. like that to sort of stop them either, uh, you know, injecting too much or not injecting at all, thinking they had already. Yeah. Um, you know, injected with insulin. Mm. The funny story with the diagrams on the back is that we'd actually filmed an ad for one of the, <laughs> the products at this company in the office. Yeah. And there'd been a lot of banter around, oh, let's make it look really like complicated and technical. <laughs> and so people had drawn up this like ridiculous maths on the wall so that it could be in the background of this ad. That was completely um, unrelated. <laughs> so I mean, like it kind of was what we okay. were doing at work and we yeah. were doing a lot of maths and coding and stuff like that. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, the actual diagrams on the wall were kind of put there as a bit of a joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah so if, if you yeah. Google really hard, you can find me in the, uh, in the background of an ad for a, um, a drug injection device. <laughs> everyone, everyone do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And yeah, you mentioned that it really opened your experiences and perspective to working with different people from different cultures. Like what was the thing that really stood out to you and like what do you sort of take away from that experience um, and do you think you will, uh, you know, do in the future if you were to work in a very diverse team? Yeah, there's a lot to unpack in that question. Yeah. Um, yeah <laughs> Maybe look, just one thing. Maybe just one thing. <laughs> look, I, I think... I guess being from Australia and having lived here all my life, I kind of, yeah. I've been exposed to people that were very similar to me. Uh, mm. And when I was put into this team, suddenly there's all sorts of really different people uh, and it kind of challenged my view of what a normal person was uh, in that sort of, I was used to a very certain type of person in Australia. I mean, obviously people in Australia or there's difference between people as well, but I think yeah. in terms of the, the cultural backgrounds and expectations, there's sort of a, obviously a commonality. Yeah. Uh, and when I was put in this team and there's people from Europe and South America and obviously mm. Taiwan and the U S <laughs> uh, it was just eye opening how different people could be uh, and how different people's cultural expectations were. Mm. Uh, and I think at, at first I kind of saw it as, uh, uh, I guess, you know, Obviously, obviously, my background's better, and you know the Australian way of doing things is, yeah. is more correct. Uh, <laughs> and it, it sort of took a couple of weeks to realize, actually, no, there's, um, you know, just because that's the way I know things and that's what I'm used to doesn't mean it's 
it's better. Uh, and actually there's a, a lot of value and interesting ideas and insights that can come from seeing the way other people do things. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, I think there's, there's obviously a few specific things that you could unpack there, but mm. um, yeah, I think that, that gets the heart of it is sort of learning to appreciate rather than uh, be afraid of differences in culture. 100%. I think for, maybe it's because from my perspective, I'm not an engineering student, but I am a commerce student and business around the world is just so varied and everyone does business in different ways. But I guess my uh, very uh, uninformed opinion, like in engineering or just like any STEM fields, like it's very, I guess, objective and everything is, I guess, like uh, there's like, like a correct answer or a single source of perspective of how you should do things but hearing it from your uh from what you just said i think it's yeah there's different perspectives whatever field you're in right even if it's like very nuanced and um, specific if it is even in stem so yeah yeah no, definitely i think often yeah it's easy, it's easy to think that in science there's sort of one correct answer and i think yeah. when you when you study at uni that tends to be the case you kind of you know you're reaching that that one textbook answer, uh, mm. but in a workplace context, there's often a lot more complexities and considerations to reach sort of more of like an optimal solution and yeah. the sort of trade-offs you might make yeah. uh, along the way in terms of might be something like, oh, we can get this extra functionality, but we'll lose some of our battery life or something like that, uh, uh, for example. Yeah. And in, yeah, I think when you have people from different cultures they might then bring in completely different ideas and perspectives or ways of thinking about those problems. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it's not necessarily always just a binary yes or no or correct or incorrect. Um, it can be much more complicated. 100%. Awesome, dude. Amazing. All right. Let's try going to the next photo. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, different background, different setting. What's happening here? Yeah, so this was quite a special moment as well. Um, my my family came to visit <laughs> me when I was in Taiwan. Yeah, uh, and in this photo, it's uh, it's my family and also a, a Taiwanese friend of mine and his family. We're all ah. in a sort of Chinese banquet room. Wow. Um, and yeah, I think this was quite special in that I was able to show my family mm. the experience that I'd have in had in Taiwan and kind of mm. the life that I'd been able to create for myself there. Mm. Uh, and also um, it was, it was really interesting to have this dynamic where there was this Taiwanese family and this Australian <laughs> family, and there was this, you know, huge language barrier and it was very mm. difficult for us to communicate. <laughs> and it, it just was a really interesting experience where uh, I guess we were both trying to, um, I guess, show respect to each other and communicate and appreciate the, the yeah. situation we were in yeah. uh, without necessarily being able to always put it into words. So the the guy in the in the Nike shirt, his name's Sean, and he was yep. one of my first friends when I arrived in Taiwan, first Taiwanese <laughs> friends. Uh, and he, fortunately, he was uh, learning English. He was learning to become an English teacher. Uh, and that meant he, he was kind of the in-between between my parents and uh, his parents. Uh, yeah, so it was quite interesting. I think the other interesting thing here I found is that uh, going back to what I was saying about, um, I guess, cultural norms and sort of my perspective originally being like, oh, the Australian way is the best way. Uh, and I think one of the things I initially found a bit interesting here was 
uh, when Sean suggested, oh, you know, your family's coming to Taiwan, got to make sure we have dinner. I thought, oh, that sounds good. Um, <laughs> and I, I wasn't necessarily thinking that they'd invite us out to this really posh banquet room. Uh, sort of, I guess, my Australian perspective was, oh, okay, we'll go around to their house and, you know, have yeah. a barbecue or something like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so I think it, it just, uh, yeah, it, it's a really interesting cultural difference in that yeah. for... For the Taiwanese people, showing respect and hospitality is actually, uh, you know, taking people out and treating them to a nice meal in, mm. in, a, in a banquet hall like this. Um, mm. And obviously, I think it ended up being a very special moment for my family and for his family to be able to share in that experience. Mate, that's incredible. Yeah, I think definitely the clashes between um, Australian culture and Taiwanese culture as well. Did you see from like your family coming over that? They were just very Australian things and like some things that you, uh, I guess, like uh, living in Taiwan for an extended amount of time, you just sort of forgot, but like, or just like the Australianness of just being like rubbing off slowly, but you sort of like realize that you've picked up some Taiwanese, uh, I guess, like behaviors or like um, cultural norms in, in the process. Yeah, I, th I think having my family come and visit. Yeah, uh, I think that it was about halfway through my year in Taiwan. Yeah, uh, and it definitely helped me to reflect and realize how much I'd learned in that in that time. Uh, <laughs> because obviously they were coming and they were completely fresh, and so yeah, right. there were all these things that I had to explain to them about uh, the way people do things and you know um, the sort of the culture and the experience of what it's like to live there. And so yeah. I think having them come and being at a uh, or being in a position where I was sort of responsible for their experience in Taiwan and had to explain everything to them. Mm. It was kind of like, wow, like I've, I've learned so much in the last six months, uh, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I can remember at, at, uh, in this meal I was having with Sean's family, um, they, they really, his, his family really loved my younger brother, the guy in the, in the white shirt in this photo. Yeah. Uh, I just thought like the idea of a, a cute little white boy was just a bit like, <laughs> super exciting for them. Uh, and I remember he he really liked uh, the shalong bao, which is like yeah. a classic Taiwanese dish. Yeah. Uh, and he just kept eating only the shalong bao. And so um, my friend's parents just kept ordering more shalong bao because they thought like they wanted to keep my little brother happy. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And using chopsticks as well and yeah, the cuisine, I'm sure you're fat like you haven't had pop before. Maybe your parents aren't so adventurous with the Asian cuisine as well. Yeah, look, I, I think, um, yeah, a lot of the things they hadn't really had before and I was able yeah. to show them, um, you know, like this is hot pot and this mm. is like night market food and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, and, and I guess now that they've experienced that, they're much more open to trying new foods like that. Mm. Uh, and so sometimes now, even at home, yeah. We'll, we'll have hot pot at home and I'll sort of go to the Asian grocer and buy all the stuff just to sort of relive the um, times in Taiwan. Uh, and I think if, if we'd tried to do that three, four years ago, I think that everyone would have been like, what on earth is this? Uh, so yeah, it's <laughs> good that I've been able to share that with them. Yeah, yeah. 100%. There's just like a feeling that you can't really replicate having like a shared meal together, either, either it's in hot pot or like a nice banquet like this where everyone's sitting in a circle. Um, yeah. I really do miss yeah. that. Hopefully after lockdown, we can all do it again. Oh, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> um, and I think it's, it's something in Australia we don't do so much where we, you know, all sort of eat out of the same thing and yeah. cook, cook a meal together. Um, yeah. Is it something you sort of grew up with 
uh, in Australia doing hot pot and things like that, or did you yeah, experience mate. it overseas as well? Yeah, mate. We uh, we ha- we didn't do hot pot when I was young um, as much, but we uh, do have like shared meals together where we have like a, a selection of like dishes and we all eat together from that, and rather than having our own like plate and having all our food on that plate and we just finish that plate. Uh, but yeah, we do that quite regularly, and I think it's uh, it's something that I'll definitely want to do in the future as well. Um, because yeah, it's just some it's just special. I think because uh, I agree. Yeah, yeah, it's just something you can't really replicate. Uh, so ah, good stuff, mate. Good stuff. <laughs> Next photo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, missed, yeah, maybe describe the photo a little bit <laughs> for so, people that can't see it. I see so, dope. So this, That's awesome. <laughs> so, so this photo is a, uh, I guess it's looking out the window uh, onto a cityscape from a abandoned skyscraper. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess one of the things here is uh, being in Taiwan and sort of uh, just yeah being out of out of my typical environments encourage like it helped me to get into the uh, into the zone of exploring and just mm. wanting to go on adventures all the time uh, and so one of the things i got into in taiwan which was a bit unusual was uh exploring abandoned buildings and things like that um, <laughs> i don't know I'd, I'd never do that in australia because i feel like oh, maybe like the police will come and arrest me or something yeah, yeah. but for some reason, being in Taiwan, it felt like it was. It was There's more no police okay. in Taiwan. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, so it was. This was one of many different places that I like, different abandoned buildings that I explored. Mm. But um, yeah, I thought this one was pretty cool because you could kind of go all the way up to the top on, onto the roof, even of this mm. uh, like 15-story abandoned skyscraper. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it just. Um, it, it was quite exciting being in Taiwan and living this life where on one side you were doing really awesome work and yeah. internships and engaging with DFAD and promoting Australia. And then on the other side, on the weekends, you'd go on these trips and hang out with friends and visit abandoned buildings. And just, you know, um, it was a very stimulating and exciting kind of time. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, mate. I think, well, for me, when I go to travel, like, I can really like just be me because I think in Australia and just living at home still, um, I think there's like a certain level of responsibility and then you have to like follow those responsibilities and do what you need to do. But when you travel overseas, you just have to take care of yourself uh, for the most part. Uh, like, if you know, if you travel with family, that's a different story. But yeah, for the most part, you travel by yourself and you just can do whatever you want and you can just really be you. Like, for example, you were traveling and looking, finding abandoned buildings. Um, so, yeah, I definitely resonate with that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think to, in a certain extent, um, you, I guess when you, if you go and live overseas for a while, you kind of, uh, you're a bit liberated from the sort of expectations of your life back in Australia. Like I think yeah. I found there was a lot of things I was involved in and people who maybe had a preconceived idea of like who I was to them and, all, the, all those kind of things, which are not bad in their own way, but yeah. by suddenly shifting your location and your context, you can just kind of start afresh and just uh, just do whatever you want to do and meet all the people you want to meet and go to the, all the places you want to meet and kind of establish, a, in a way, like a, a fresh set of friends and connections. Uh, it's not to sort of say that the connections back in Australia and all the, the friends and so on are, are bad, but when you've been in that context for your entire life, you know, 
20 years or whatever, uh, it's quite interesting to sort of suddenly start afresh in a new place. Um, yeah, I found that quite, quite interesting. No, I agree with you, mate. <laughs> Hopefully we can all travel again soon as well. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> man. It'd be so good to get back to Taiwan and explore yeah. some abandoned buildings again. <laughs> <laughs> and eat, eat all the hot pot, you know, like all, yeah. that, all that good stuff. <laughs> eat, a, eat a hot pot in an abandoned building. That's it. Oh, man. <laughs> like, that just resonates with my soul, Andrew. That's it. Like, <laughs> uh, awesome. Next, I believe this is the final photo. Uh, and I believe that's Akia behind uh, in the banner. What's happening here, mate? Yeah, so this photo, I guess one of the things in uh, in Taiwan and being an NCP scholar, I guess being an NCP scholar anywhere really, uh, is you kind of, you want to really get involved in promoting Australia in the kind of, you know, whatever host location you're in. Mm. Uh, and different people have different ways of doing that. Mm. But for for me and some of the other scholars in my generation, a uh, big part of that was being involved in the Akia Taipei branch, so Australia Taiwan Youth Association it was called. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I just found that uh, being involved in that was a great vehicle for doing all sorts of things to promote Australia in Taiwan. Um, and in this particular photo, we uh, we hosted a stall at the. NTU, the National Taiwan University Intercultural Fair, uh, and we we actually made a whole lot of lamingtons and sort of sold these lamingtons to people because the idea was at this store that you'd you'd sell food from your home country, uh, and yeah, had all sorts of all sorts of shenanigans with different slang and quizzes about Australia and Tim Tams, all the very very stereotypical stuff that's a bit you know a bit painfully stereotypical, uh, <laughs> but it. Um, it did provide a platform to sort of talk to people about Australia. And I think people in Taiwan, particularly, they have a lot of respect. And uh, in a way, they sort of look up to Australia. They see it as a leader in our region and they they really value things like the you know, quality of the meat that they get from, from Australia and things like that. Uh, and so it's almost a, uh, an unbalanced relationship where people in Australia don't have a clue about Taiwan, but everyone in Taiwan is like, wow, Australia, I'd love to live there. Uh, and so... I think sort of trying to show that there's people in Australia who actually do care about Taiwan and the Taiwanese people uh, is an important part of strengthening that connection. Yeah, and definitely the New Colombo Plan Scholarship um, does that with its people-to-people -people connections. Uh, and yeah, just examples like this really do showcase, even though, like you said, um, painstakingly very stereotypical of what us people think of Australia, <laughs> but I think it's a good way for people to you know start uh, I guess familiarizing uh, and knowing understanding about Australia and Taiwan itself, um, and just starting to build off that. I think like I'll, this is arguably this is definitely wrong, but like I think I think the biggest thing that people know Taiwan uh, know about Taiwan is like the bubble tea the boba tea because yeah it's just so popular i'm in my community it's predominantly um, asian community and in my local town there's i think like i think last time i counted there was like eight or nine bubble tea stores just within like that town center so yeah mate i uh i definitely agree i think <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah 
Um, yeah. Fredikum hard yakka. Was this uh, was this everyone's idea? Or was this like just like the top ten Aussie slang and just like writing? Well, <laughs> yeah. the the idea originally was that we'd create these banners. So for uh, there's sort of in the photo there's uh, pictures of people holding uh, signs up with Australian slang, uh, and the idea was that people could sort of take photos with these banners and put it on their social media. So it was a bit of like a uh, guess like a photo booth kind of idea uh, and yeah there was it, it also I guess it prompted a lot of conversation because we had this quiz where we like uh, oh you know fair dinkum what do you think that means uh, and you'd get some really interesting answers from the Taiwanese people uh, and it was a lot of fun as well explaining to them what lamingtons were uh, you know sort of oh, it's like kind of like an Australian cake um, but yeah I mean it would have been good to cook something else like you know meat pies or something but it's very difficult to get access to that kind of ingredients. Um, so Lamington's felt fairly achievable. <laughs> yeah, good choice. Good choice either way. <laughs> and during, you know, like, toward the end of your scholarship and your time um, overseas, was there anything that you missed about Australia? Yeah, look, I think, yeah, it was definitely there were times that I missed home quite a lot. It's mm. not not the easiest thing just to sort of, live in a completely foreign <laughs> culture for a long period of time. Yeah. Uh, I think probably the thing I missed the most was the weather. Yeah. Uh, I think in, in Taiwan, I mean, the weather's not awful, but it would often be really humid and hot. Uh, and also you wouldn't get like really clear blue skies. Uh, I think I kind of just forgot what that was like when I was living in Taiwan because it would often be a lot of pollution and I mean it wouldn't be as bad as in say Beijing uh, but you definitely like it would be pretty rare to have a, a really rich deep blue sky uh, so I think when I came back to Australia uh, and you know you just look up the sky up at the sky and you'd be like wow like I forgot what that was like um, yeah so it could be a bit sort of rainy and gloomy and humid in Taipei at times um, but yeah in the most part I was sadder to leave then, uh, you know, I wasn't yearning to come home, if that makes sense. So, yeah. Yeah, we all feel that after we've travelled for a long time. <laughs> but yeah. I guess the reality is that we're stuck in Australia for uh, an indefinite amount of time. Uh, for the, for the, definitely at least, my hunch is in at least another six months. But that's nothing to uh, be sad about. I think we can always do this, like look back at your experiences overseas and talk about that and... Yeah, remember the good times and until the next time we can actually travel. So, yeah, I think, and I, I think it'll make us appreciate travel more as well because now that we can't do it, it's kind of like, oh, that was really good, you know. Um, we won't take it for granted next time we get to go on a trip. <laughs> 100%. Well, thank you for sharing um, all of the photos and your experiences. I really do appreciate that. And I'm sure the other NCP scholars as well will uh, definitely appreciate that too. So, uh, I think we will cap it off for part one there and I will see you and everyone else in part two. Sounds good. Thank you so much for listening. Please do follow the podcast if you did enjoy it on Spotify. And if you'd like to check out the visual and video form of this podcast, head on to YouTube and type in the new Colombo Plan series podcast. Thank you.